0: Good morning, and welcome to Let's Talk Autism. I am Ariel, also known as Nancy Allspot Jackson, and I am Ursula the Sea Witch.
1: And we have <laughs> taken over this program with this girl, and we are we are going to take over. And we have an additional person, I believe, who has taken over the show with us. Traven, art, art, has Traven been taken over as well? Maybe not. Perhaps later. David? Uh uh it's oh, it's Jake from State Farm.
0: Hello, oh, yeah. hi. It's
1: Jake from State Farm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's the funniest thing. That, yeah. that, that is without a doubt the funniest thing. Yeah. Uh, there, I I love that uh w- way to win traven B- very w- way to win so uh i i am ursula and you are all poor unfortunate souls and before we're done i plan on signing a deal with the girl and uh to help her get the boy yes. yeah Yes. mhm but great. there will be there will be some uh contracts to sign if you will okay I I feel like at any moment, the makeup is going to crack and fall off my face.
0: (laughs) You did a great job, Shannon.
1: Well, I was saying to Nancy about half an hour ago, as I was finishing up, first, I couldn't find my red lipstick. And second, I started to, you know, sweat with the excitement of it all. And so most of the eye makeup is in my left armpit right now. Oh. Uh, But, but we are live right now, and it is October 29th, and we're so happy to be here with you guys. Nancy and I have been doing Halloween shows now for how long, Nancy?
0: Oh, at least, well, I think nine years, right?
1: Yeah, I, well, at least that long. long. And, uh, Trayvon, have you do you have some pictures to show of previous years just so we can do a walk down memory lane of how we have done this in the past? Oh, I believe so. So, see, and we oh, actually I get to, to see Traven produce and see the stress of it all at this point. <laughs> I like the look of perpetual surprise on my face. I'm going to start drying my eyebrows much higher in the future. <laughs> I feel that it's a look uh, for me. Okay. Um, so, do we have any uh, pictures, Traven, to show we or do- should we come back to that later?
0: No, oh, we have a whole thing. I'll play this and drop out of the chat if you need anything else i'll be a chat away
1: thank you and you look fabulous jake from state farm (laughs) i love it i love it okay here we
0: go good morning and welcome to let's talk autism i'm lucy i'm ethel
1: And welcome to Let's Talk Autism
0: with Elizabeth and Elizabeth. (laughs) Welcome. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. I'm Martha Stewart, filling in.
1: And I'm Julia Child. Welcome
0: and Happy Halloween. Do, 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 do. Can't touch this. Do, 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 do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rosie. (laughs) How's it doing, babe? I'm Rosie
1: O'Donnell, and I'm Ellen DeGeneres, hey! And and can I just say that you are a cutie patootie. Hello. (laughs) Um, Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy, but obviously, you know, we are not Shannon and Nancy today. So I'm Adele and I'm here with
0: if I could turn back <laughs> time,
1: yeah. Hello. I am Oliver Hardy, and this is my cohort. Mr. Stan Laurel Stanley. <laughs> Hello. Good morning.
0: Good morning, darling.
1: Maura, it is so good to see you.
0: My. Oh, uh, Johnny, you are my, my strange bet. You're looking so Beau Brummel-ish this morning. Interesting run there. <laughs> a pretty interesting run. Oh,
1: my f- goodness.
0: Afro man.
1: Afro-man. Well, And I've got uh, Flotsam and Jetsam around here somewhere, but uh, they might make an appearance later on.
0: Okay, Uh, disco Afro Man. That was Wyatt's aide. uh, There we go. Who loves to dress up as Disco Afro Man.
1: There we go. Um,
0: Wyatt went to school this morning in costume as the sheriff. Oh,
1: Woody or a different sheriff? No, just the
0: sheriff. He was okay. um, L.A. County Sheriff. He had a wig and a hat. Yeah, John had to open up the sunroof on the drive-in because his Afro was so big.
1: That's hilarious. Uh, thanks to Christine, who's written in and said that we all look great. Thank you. I am sweating profusely, and I couldn't get. I also tried to get my hair to stand up more on end. We had Christine, uh, um, not Christina, Katarina Aguilar on the show on Monday. And she is an amazing performer and a singer who just did a cabaret that's all Disney songs. Ah. And and I had said to people, listen, I have a feeling that the names of our, the characters that Nancy and I will be playing might come up during the course of the show. Because um, the name of the show is part of part of your world. And I knew that she would talk about Ariel because watching Disney movies, Nancy, is what helped her to begin to speak. And Ariel in particular, watching Ariel talk about her voice and having her voice and losing her voice helped her to be able to speak and then sing. And then she went on to, to get her degree in music from the Boston Conservatory of Music, Wow! you know, and now she's a performer. She has her show, A Different World. You guys can check that out. It's actually free. It's free on YouTube, but we encourage people to make a donation to her on Patreon. And, um, but so we gave that hint. So I'm just wondering how many people knew. And, I, and I, we've been talking about doing this for a while. I obviously felt that I could pull Ursula off. I'm having trouble keeping my bustier. I didn't written. have as much
0: crap as you did. I just had the wig and a bathing suit. So.
1: But you're a Barbie. And we can dress you up as almost anything, Nancy. And you know, <laughs> sometime I want to just dress you up as like all the first ladies. I think you could be an excellent Jackie Kennedy. Oh, I'd love to do
0: Jackie the Kilbots and the Chanel fun? suit That would be fun.
1: That... So I could be Barbara Bush. These are ideas you for can. future.
0: <laughs> I <Okay>. could totally. <laughs> I remember when you were Apple, you told me you thought you looked more like Barbara Bush.
1: I said I thought I looked like Martha Washington, but right. I did sort of look like Barbara Bush. That's true. Uh, and I told them the other day, you, you know, you take this very seriously, the, the getting dressed up. I didn't used to. I have to now to keep up with you. <laughs> so. What's your favorite
0: costume of all those that we looked at?
1: Um, I, it's interesting. I really loved us playing the queen. I did too. I, I loved that it was
0: the cute. Corgi, your Corgi was just the best.
1: Well, the Corgi was totally your idea. Um, uh, Traven liked the Adele and Cher, uh, so-
0: uh, Adele has morphed a lot since then. She's lost half- I
1: know, Adele doesn't look like that anymore, but she sur- sure sounds like that anymore. Yeah. Um, I thought your Ellen was amazing. Um, But uh, yes, Adele has a new album coming out soon. Traven is reminding us. I heard her new song. I love it. Yeah. And they, somebody was just doing a joke the other day about, uh, they showed a picture of Adele and she was in this brown, chocolate brown leather pantsuit um, that, oh my God, that woman is just stunningly gorgeous. And to have that kind of a voice.
0: She has really got all the gifts, doesn't she?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really wonderful. My favorite part of that, of being Adele, is that I needed, I didn't feel like I looked enough like Adele and I knew, you know, I could sort of fake the accent, but you know, you have to, you keyed me into this. You were like, you have to have things that show who it is. And that's why you said, Shannon, if you're going to play the queen of England, you have to have a corgi and you have to have a little purse. purse. I was like, I don't need a a corgi. I don't need a little. And you were like, yes, you did. So I found a stuffed dog and I cut off his legs and made him shorter. Now now I sort of, now I have a Corgi Chihuahua mix somewhere around here. That's real. <laughs> uh, Cause I adopted Joanne Laura's dog, but, um, but you were the oh, one who said to right. me,
0: Charles is your dog that you adopted from Joanne? Yes. Charles. We, Char- how is he, Charles doing?
1: Well, I, I, I'll, I'll have him come in here before we're done so that you can see he's doing really well. He's, he's lost a lot of weight with us and gets a lot of exercise. You know, he was a sick little dog and Joanne Joanna tried to talk me into taking him uh, in the very beginning. And, you know, I have a dog that does not play well with anyone. So we had said, no, we're not going to be able to take the dog. And then in the end, she was like, look, I need you to take Cheese. And we said, yes, we would take him. But she reminded me that Cheese has Cushing's and that, you know, he wasn't expected to live all that long. Oh. Well, Cheese has rallied. <laughs> Cheese Cheese has rallied and is doing just fine and uh, might be with us for a very long time. So I'll yeah. get him in it. But the point was, you were the one who said to me, Shannon, you, you've got to have a corgi. And wow. that, that really did make the whole costume. Right. Yeah. And, so like, and that, was be, that was before I started watching The Crown and, and, and before I found out that I am a distant relative of the queen. Right. And um, so now, you know, I, like I'd love to play the queen again. But I'm a queen of some sort today, so. You are. Yes, and you're a princess.
0: I'm a princess of the deep blue sea.
1: That's right, uh, with a beautiful voice. Uh, so in any case, we, we're we here you guys, we're live. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts, feelings, questions, concerns. We like to make you know fun and make this this fun, but we're also gonna be talking about autism today and a bunch of different topics and we want you guys to participate. Uh, we like to kick it off. Well, first, let me remind everybody we're live right now on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. We're live right now. And uh, this will be podcast wherever you download your podcast. This will be a free download. We are, <clears throat> excuse me, as I get choked up, we are the number one rated autism podcast, probably because of the costumes. <laughs> uh, pro- probably. Probably. Um, It's so weird to see myself made up like this. I look like my grandmother. How can that be? My grandmother, can I tell you my favorite one-liner of all times? Uh, We've had him here as a guest on the show. One of my favorite people on the face of the planet, Glenn Cassell Mm -hmm. is, he is a director. He's directed on Broadway. He directed Peter Pan on Broadway, but he also directs a lot of the international Disney shows around the world. And we had him on the show because he had directed a, a, a version of the Hunchback of Notre Dame featuring a deaf actor as the Hunchback. It was so brilliant, Nancy. It blew all my doors off, so we had to have him on the show. But right after that, or right before that, sometime around that, he was directing The Little Mermaid around the country. There was the version that was traveling around the country and it had gone to Dallas. And, you know, we love Texas, but Texas has some very interesting not ideas and those poor unfortunate souls. And um, they were freaking out in Texas because cast in the lead role of Ariel was a lovely, beautiful actress who was just brilliant on stage. She happened to be of Asian descent and people lost their minds because how how can Ariel in Texas Mm. Um, they were like yes. how can how can Ariel be Asian and so the local newspaper came out to talk to Glenn and interview him and they said you know do you have any comment on the fact that Ariel is Asian and my favorite one-liner of all time without missing a beat he said to them well ursula's blue are we going to talk <laughs> about that that's Are we going to talk about that? And I was like, yes. Isn't that the best answer? And I kept thinking about that all week as I was, the, you know, I had to order this makeup special. It, you can't buy this at the CVS. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, really?
0: You had to order that?
1: Yeah. But you know what's great is it's all water-based uh-huh. makeup because it's stage makeup. So, you know, you it's, I'll tell you what, Wyatt would love this. Yeah, and it might be fun to get some of this and have Wyatt do some body painting on somebody, right? Um, because you dip your paintbrush in water uh-huh. and then you put it and you put it in and then. So can you see where I've just painted myself to here? Right, um, and then it all comes off in the shower. So it's okay. So you've yeah.
0: got to take a shower right after this.
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, but in any case, uh, I lost my train of, of what I was saying. We're we're live right now. And uh, yes, and uh, we hope that you guys are watching wh- whatever way that you wanna watch. And you can write into us right now and ask questions because Nancy and I are willing to take questions today. So we're thrilled to be here. We, and we had some news stories. Shall we jump into those, Nancy? Yeah, no, let's jump into those. Okay, the um, first one is coming to us from Spectrum, which we love them as a news resource for autism stuff. Um, this is an article that just came out uh, Wednesday from Laura detarro about um, a very interesting topic that we talk about a lot here on the show, Nancy, about empathy. Empathy
0: or the lack thereof. Well,
1: I don't know about you. I mean, I probably I think I know you well enough to know what your answer to this. There's been this myth that people who are on the autism spectrum don't have empathy. Can we say what we think about that, Nancy?
0: Yeah, I, I don't subscribe to that belief.
1: It's a steaming pile of poo, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, I, think it, I think that that theory came from people who are unable to look at things in a multi-view world. But finally, someone came along, a researcher came along, uh, Jeff Bird, And he said, you know what? What if it's not that? What if it's something else? What if people, right? Christine says that's so not true. It is so not true. And if you spend any time with a person on the spectrum, you learn that a lot of times it's their empathy is heightened. But Jeff put out a new theory that what about something called alexithemia? And alexithemia is when you don't recognize your own emotions and i'm wondering if part of it is is that you recognize them but you don't know how to label them and Uh until we know until we know labels for things it's why we don't have good memory until we have language because if you're feeling something and you don't know what it is and you don't have a context for it then how would you know what it was right um so interesting that they're now doing research about this uh, to test the high, the, you know, they tested the hypothesis. The, the term alexithemia was coined in 1972. Uh, and it's from Greek words, meaning lack of emotion, which is certainly not accurate, um, because people on the spectrum do not lack emotion, nor do they lack empathy. Um, but what did you think about this, Nancy?
0: Well, I thought his, hypothesis, um, the solution to the riddle, what if instead of lacking empathy, some autistic people can't recognize their own emotions, which is alexithymia? wouldn't that impair their ability to share someone else's, which it certainly would?
1: Yes. Um, and they're hoping that doing research on this and showing this is going to lead to better outcomes of people being more, um, more empathetic when when working with individuals on the autism spectrum, because if you think that somebody doesn't have empathy, then how you approach them is different than if you think that they do. I find this is true also in other areas of science too. When, when we think that when scientists are doing research, let's say on horses, if they have the understanding uh, underlying thing that horses have emotion, then they will treat horses different. Mm-hmm. When somebody says to you, horses don't have emotions, Nancy, wh-
0: how, how do you react to that?
1: You're a horse well, woman.
0: Having been around horses all my life. I would say that's simply not true. I've, I've experienced, I've owned many horses and have experienced many emotions with horses, fear, love, mm. um,
1: happiness, Happiness. sadness, I'm sure. I've seen animals grieve. Um, and, and so responsibly when you're doing research with someone and you know that they're feeling emotions, Um, and that they have emotions towards other people, I think how you approach it is different. They're saying that it's possible that many people on the spectrum have this alexithemia, and that knowing that, um, that there are ways to treat alexithemia to help people to be able to recognize their emotions. Um, And of course, we know from our kids doing good quality ABA, Nancy, that there, there is a whole part of the curriculum that's just about emotions that starts with knowing what your states of being are. So teaching Mm -hmm. kids what, you know, this is, you know, right now you're cold and right now, you know, it's hot outside. So you're feeling hot, you're feeling warm or you're tired or you're hungry and labeling those states of being for children and then branching out into other emotions from that. And while doing that, helping them to recognize it in other people. For those of you who watched the the film, Temple Grandin on HBO, one of the things that her mother and her aunt did was take pictures of Temple. They would they would get her to make an angry face and then they would take a picture of her with an angry face. So she would study it and go, this is what it looks like when you're angry. So she would recognize it in other people. Right. Isn't that amazing? Right. Um, yes. <laughs> this makeup is makeup. I crazy. remember
0: when Wyatt was early in ABA flashcards, you know, of, of kids with angry faces to help him identify.
1: Did you have to do the thing, too, where we were constantly cutting out pictures out of magazines um, so that we could show them to him and say, later on, we would say, you know, look at the, what is, what what is this little girl feeling? Um, and it would be a little girl going, you know, like uh, freaking out about something. Uh, we were constantly cutting out pictures. You know, the internet wasn't quite what it is now. Right. Now I just would have pulled things up on the internet. But
0: exactly. I don't
1: I don't think I maybe I maybe Google was there and I didn't know it. Uh-huh. And certainly I didn't know about Google Images back then. Right. But if you're teaching a kiddo something like this, you know, showing them the pictures and languaging it yourself while while you're talking about it helps them to understand what it is. And it it's not something that happens overnight. It takes some time. But um, you know. I think both Jem and Wyatt are very adept at knowing what their states of being are. And I've been with both Jem and Wyatt when when they've told me that I should calm down, that that I was getting upset. So I think they're both really good at recognizing when other people are feeling something. Do you agree?
0: I agree. I know Wyatt knows when I'm upset, certainly.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, And Wyatt and Jem are both really, I think, caring individuals who care about others and and notice when other people are in distress.
0: Right. I know when I have cried on occasion in front of Wyatt, he has expressed a lot of concern. Don't be sad, Mom.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, And I, you know, I've been with, you know, I've been with him through a lot of different things. I mean, I was with you guys when, when Reed passed and... Uh, to watch him deal with the, those emotions, not only for himself but of the people around him, I, you know, you cannot convince me ever that folks on the spectrum. Oh, somebody just came into your picture behind me That's you. Andrea. Sorry, that's okay. <laughs> oh, she's getting the dog. Casey. Hi, Casey. Casey. I'm, Casey. Casey, say hi. Uh, and we'll hi, Andrea. It. We'll get cheese in here in a minute. There no, she is.
0: Yeah, yeah there's is. Casey. Hi, Casey. Hi, Andrea. Hello. Casey is our special needs dog. She's on a, a holistic health regimen because she oh. has sluggish gallbladder and liver. So we have to pulverize her medicine every day, put it wow. in broth in a, in a medicine dropper and force feed it to her every day.
1: That's some devotion and dedication. Yeah. Uh, but that's what we do for our, our animalis. Uh, so moving on to our next story. Oh, Traven is telling us today is National Cat Day. If we'd only known, we would have had a cat in here. Uh, but moving on to our next story, this kind of really tore my ticket. Uh, is everybody aware of who Julian Assange is? Um, in co- open court on Wednesday, Julian Assange's lawyer, poor unfortunate soul, uh, testified, said that Julian Assange is someone suffering from a mental disorder who would find unbearable because of his Asperger's if he were to, um, have to come back to the United States. Um, and that's a direct result of, of what he describes as rumination of his predicament increasing his anxiety, worsening his condition of imprisonment that would lead to his attempt of suicide being higher. Um, now, I don't know if Julian Assange is actually on the spectrum. This is the first time I've heard that. the first mentioned. time I've
0: heard that too, although it would not surprise me, certainly.
1: It wouldn't surprise me um, at, at all. He's a pretty, you know, bright individual um, who, um, has interesting ideas, uh, about society and, and all of that. But what I find interesting is when people, you know, and it's every, it's your business. If you have a diagnosis, you don't have, you, you're not forced to disclose it, but it's very interesting that now suddenly, if somebody's in court and they don't want to do something remarkably, everyone's on the spectrum. Do you I find know. that? And interesting
0: that's being a, used as an excuse to possibly commit suicide, just being on the spectrum. It and the anxiety that, that would be provoked by yeah, coming that back that does to not correlate.
1: Well, and we saw this in a case in Canada, too, where a young man um, was asking for a different sentence because the lawyer was saying that he was on the spectrum. Um, we we see across the board. The one thing that I keep in mind is we had Alex Plank on when that story had broken. I asked him how he felt about it. And, of course, Alex is a very, um, you know, out there person, um, in the press is on the spectrum. And I said, doesn't this offend you? And Alex's response was no, not really. It's his lawyer's job to do whatever he can to get him off. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, he was like, I don't know whether he's on the spectrum or not. And so it's not for me to say, and, and his lawyer's just doing his job. And I thought, see, there's empathy. There's empathy right there. And saying, look, I'm just going to take everybody's perspective in this and say, I don't know. Um, there's a perfect example. So interesting. I don't know whether Julian Assange is on the spectrum, and I don't know what his mental state is, but I thought it was really interesting that now he's now suddenly is the moment that he's going to disclose that. And I'm wondering if part of the reason why he felt that it was okay to disclose that was because Elon Musk finally came out and said that he's on the spectrum.
0: Yeah. Lots of high profile people coming out as being on the spectrum, it seems.
1: To me. Absolutely. Okay. Seems to be a trend. Um, our, it is a trend. Um, Wentworth Miller, did you ever watch that show, Prison Break? No. Yeah. You know, the only reason why I watched it, because it was a dark show, a very dark show, the only reason why I watched it was because I met a dad of two kids on the spectrum and he worked on the show and he said oh you got to watch this show that i'm working on so we started watching it and the girl who played the lead had graduated from the same graduate school of of mine so we watched it dark dark show but wentworth miller was fabulous on it and we covered that he came out as being on the spectrum just a few weeks ago okay our next story uh oh this is a good one yeah A, a good bad one uh good Ursula one. Uh, there are parents who are suing a school district in Florida for how much money, Nancy? $50 million.
0: Um, That's
1: not chump change. That's not couch cushion money.
0: Right. This is a class action suit, uh, filed by a parent of student with autism against the Volusia. I'm not really sure where Volusia is in Florida. Um, against the Volusia school board. Um, just recently. And, and what's, uh, it comes more, more than two months after the U.S. Department of Justice announced a settlement agreement with the Lucia yeah. County Public Schools.
1: So here's what happened. The Department of Justice had this suit against this uh, school district for, um, for abusing Florida's Baker's Act law. They removed children who were on the spectrum from classrooms unnecessarily, and proper uh, and failed to properly train staff to handle uh, disabled-related behaviors. So I think those of us with kids on the spectrum, um, I, I like immediately our blood starts to boil. That the Department of Justice found that the this school district across the board was not training their people properly, was not dealing with challenging behavior correctly, and was removing kids unnecessarily from the classroom. So the Department of Justice settled with them. But where where was the help for the families whose kids went through that? That makes me mad. Right. So this family is suing for $50 million. You go, you go, we say. Absolutely. I support because, you know, people say, oh, well, it's, you know, we're such a litigious community and yes, that's right. Because money talks. And if you weren't willing to do what was right when when it was a law and and by the way, what was right for the students and it was a law and the Department of Justice came and said you should do it. And so you paid them off. Oh, barf, 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 barf. You should be sued. You should be sued. Because if you won't do your job, then you should be sued into doing it correctly.
0: That's how I feel. How do you feel, Nancy? I feel the same way, Shannon. And I feel like um, the awareness of these uh, situations is, uh, you know, this heightens awareness for this kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um And not only that, um, this family is saying that it's been difficult to maintain steady employment due to being called to her son's school frequently. I think we've heard that before. She said her son um, has only exhibited behaviors associated with autism at school and nothing that would warrant teachers calling law enforcement to intervene. The federal government said in their investigation that volusia school employees called law, law enforcement to schools to handle issues with disabled children unnecessarily right but if you don't have trained people that's what happens. mom says um, that she's been threatened by law enforcement and educators uh saying that she could face disciplinary action mm. and that if she did not quote put her child on medication and they had to return the school one more time that the mom would be arrested. Oh, honey, sue them, sue them until they're hemorrhaging money. Um, Because that's what gets people to pay attention. Uh, I just, just, um, that just tears my ticket.
0: Unfortunately, that's true. I mean, it's only by bringing a lawsuit of this magnitude that these things can come to light and um, be changed
1: money talks. And then our last story, our last news story, which is, you know, I think you and I have been following this for a while, Nancy, but this is a a very interesting, uh, article in Medscape, uh, that just came out, uh, in fact last night that the prevalence of, uh, um, children on the spectrum in some New Jersey communities is as high as 10%.
0: Which is, we've always heard these stories coming out of New Jersey that the autism rates are the highest in the country. Is that not true yet? Um, yeah. So it-
1: yeah. And it, you know, I mean, prevalence numbers are due to come out any day now we've been hearing this for months that they're going to come out. And, um, uh, but we always see, cause at, at some point they'll, they'll rate and say which States, but New Jersey is always at the highest. Um, when the rest of us were at one in 88, New Jersey was closer to one in 45. Right. right. Um, Which is what it ended up being for across the board. Right. And there have been lots of people who have said, well, why would this be? What is going on in New Jersey? Right. right. And and there are arguments all over the place for why might it be? And of course, some people say that there's a high level of industrialization in New Jersey and maybe there are environmental issues. Environmental factors. Yeah. Other. Other people have argued and said there's a lot of services in New Jersey because there's been a concentration. It's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. So there was a high concentration of kiddos on the spectrum. So services went there and then families moved to New Jersey. Because for the services, services were
0: good. Yeah
1: which, but the only thing that, that bothers me about that theory, because I get it, I understand the, that theory, but look at California. California has more services than anybody else, but we don't have the highest rate. Now, is that because it's such a big state that, uh, you know, that that's why? I no. don't know. I don't I don't have answers to these questions. I right. have questions, um, but I think it's interesting uh, and and I think it's worth looking at, and uh, I think it's worth putting some research dollars into because something's going on in New Jersey.
0: Right. Something definitely is going on, and we do need more research into why, the why of this.
1: Yes. So um, those are our news stories for today, and you guys can uh, find all of those uh, yourself and read the whole article. We encourage you to do that. A lot of times when we do the Halloween show, we invite guests to be here, but it's a little rough for them because we're in costume and I think it makes it hard for them because they have, either have to be in costume or they have to have their interview with us in costume. So we've kind of forewent that today. And I suggested that we do something that we haven't done in a long time because, uh, we have, we have folks who watch the show, Nancy, that are new and maybe don't know things about you and I. So I propose that we kind of interview each other. And I made a list of questions and you can add to it if you want to. Okay. Um, I but you. I wanted to start um, by asking you
0: when did you realize that why it was different? Um, you know, that's an interesting question. I thought back and I think some signs of his. Um, of differences in his behavior were evident as early as in his second year. Um, He started losing language and he started having really bad tantrums. The tantrums were one of the first signs. And having, being an older, I was an older mother. I had no other children. I thought it was the terrible twos. And he was in a preschool you know, in a mommy and me class and at a preschool, and they did not flag him mm. for any, you know, that he should be tested or anything. They did. I think it was when he was about two and a half say he needed to have an aid at school. So I did provide an aid for him in that preschool class.
1: Um, that and, ate- and, and that's literally you provided it.
0: I provided it. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, then when he was, he, it still wasn't getting better. And then when he was well into his second year and the language wasn't improving, I called the pediatrician and said um, that he was, had lost language. And he said to me, and this also was accompanied by behaviors once he put his head through our kitchen window. Mm-hmm. He was tantruming so violently. And the pediatrician said well he's a boy and boys oftentimes are late talkers which didn't really resonate with me because he had been talking and then stopped yeah so that was the excuse for a while and then when he was just turned three a neighbor said uh, that she thought he had signs of autism and of course i was indignant i was defensive I called the pediatrician again and he said, well, bring him in. And, um, I did. And when I brought him in, he said, he's at least a year delayed. So that was when Mm -hmm. he was already three. But they weren't using the word autism then. No, none of these times did they use the word autism in none of these situations. His speech therapist never used the word autism as a, you know, a possibility for what his behaviors were. Um, and, um. Anyway, the pediatrician then suggested he be tested. I took him to a place. I remember it was called the Early Child Development Clinic. Took him there. They did a series of tests and said he may be on the spectrum. And he'd have to have more tests. And I was like, well, tell me why. I, it's kind of a hazy recollection. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't satisfied with the answers they gave me. And then his speech therapist suggested I contact the school district because they had a a special school near us for kids that were language delayed. Still no autism word except from the the early child development clinic saying he may be on the spectrum. So um, I then um, got the school district to come out and do an assessment. And they diagnosed him with PDD-NOS. And at this point he's three and a half, almost four. And uh, he's been diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder nonspecific. When I I said later, a trained chimpanzee could have diagnosed him with full-on autism. It's so Uh, disheartening.
1: And all of that time, you know, I know we've talked about this before, but you know, you think back on all that time that you lost dinking around and, and, and I know there are other people watching this that have, that have gone through something similar in that from the day that you went, okay, I feel like something's going on to the day that you got to services that actually were helping. I always say the amount of pain that you feel is directly proportionate to how long that period of time is.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're talking two years have gone by now. Yeah. Right. And then the school district put him into that special preschool. And what I noticed was he wasn't getting better. He was not getting better. And then I went to a um, seminar with Defeat Autism Now. Mm -hmm. And that's when I first heard about ABA. Now, mind you, Wyatt is four. Has just turned four. And it's the first time I ever heard the term applied behavioral analysis was when he was four. So I immediately set about to getting him that, and I was told that I could probably get it through the regional center. So I set up an appointment for an evaluation with regional center and that at age four was when he was diagnosed with full-on autism. And it would be another um, three quarters of a year before he got card services. He was four and three quarters when he got card. Wow. So a long, long journey that could have been had he got the correct diagnosis at age two, had the pediatrician listen to me. And somehow if I had been sent maybe to regional center at that time, he could have gotten that diagnosis. So we had a very late diagnosis, which, you know, it is what it is. I have bemoaned it and played it over in my mind a million times, shoulda, woulda, coulda.
1: Now, but part of that, let me ask you this. Do you ever, did you, when you went to the pediatrician and you felt like something was up and they said, no, 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 no. I'm sure you were relieved but was there it? a
0: little part of you that was like eh, i don't know oh yeah there was a part of me that just didn't it didn't seem to wash
1: because what i do is beat myself up that because when i went to the pediatrician and said i think something's going on uh she was like no it's just you you're you know you're a late in life mother and you're overprotective and it's just you he's fine And there was a part of me that rejoiced in that, was like, yay, I didn't want there to be anything to be worried about. But another part of me, there was a voice in my gut that said, "Uh uh-uh, warning, Will Robinson, you know, there's a problem here. And the thing that I have the heart I have a little bit of anger at the pediatrician for not recognizing it and, and starting me on the path. But the thing that I feel really bad about is that I always say that that was my mother's instinct and I didn't listen to it. And I still, to this day, beat myself up about time lost because I didn't listen to that little
0: voice inside me. Do you do that Nancy? Oh yeah, for sure. I beat, you know, I beat myself up continually about not listening and not getting an earlier diagnosis because I knew something was wrong. I And isn't it funny because I hear you say
1: that and I hear so many other parents say that and I want to say but what do you, what were you supposed to know everything? Were you supposed to have a child and like suddenly just go out and read books about every neurological difference. Were you supposed right. to become a child development expert? You counted on the experts around you. I totally say, Nancy, you had no responsibility and that you did the level best that you could. I totally like see how you
0: should forgive yourself. It's just much harder when I'm pointing it at me. Right. I'm sure there are a lot of parents out there that kick themselves for not getting an earlier diagnosis. And this was, you know, 18 years ago. So yeah. um, 17, 18 years ago. So there wasn't the uh, awareness that there is today, uh, Absolutely. certainly with early intervention. And I think pediatricians are much more armed with knowledge today.
1: Absolutely. Although, Nancy, I still get people who will call me and say that the doctor said, well, you know, they've got some symptoms, but, you know, let's not rush into a diagnosis. Come back in two years. Maybe they'll outgrow it. And yes, that- we, have
0: mom, we have a mom writing in saying her son's doctor said the same thing.
1: Yeah. So, you know, uh, there are still doctors out there who say the one thing that I, I am learning still and that I like to share with other parents is if something in your gut says, uh uh-uh, uh, just honor it, just honor it. Go and get a second opinion and ask another question. That's still hard for me after all
0: these years. But if you can, you know, do that. Go well, sorry, and what about, Tell us about your journey, and you got a relatively early diagnosis though.
1: But it felt like it took forever, right? So when Jem was born, um, he was a C-section baby, and I had gestational diabetes. So they were and I was four at 40 about to be 41, so there were a lot of considerations. And when he came out, he was a little sluggish and it was hard for him to breastfeed. and he was two days old. And I had um, a nurse come and yell at me and, and, and read me the riot act about, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that we had given him, like medicine and stuff. And I said, I didn't do that. I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, and he's been right here with me. I didn't let him go anyplace else. So, but he was sluggish. And she was blaming the fact that he wasn't breastfeeding on me. He was over 10 pounds when he was born. But in the first 48 hours, he lost a pound because he wasn't eating enough. And, and of course they get very concerned when a baby isn't eating and loses. I mean, that was, you know, a 10th of his weight. So we had to supplement with formula for the first couple of days. And my milk wasn't coming in because he wasn't sucking. And like I said, first person in the room to help me blamed me, which did not help. No. But he was, he just, what we discovered was, this is weird. He would just sit there and stare at me. And, and I would hold him and I would latch him on and he would stare at me. And, and if I looked at him and all I wanted to do was look in my baby's eyes. And if I looked at him, he wouldn't do anything. But if I looked away to talk to somebody, he would nurse. He would suckle. And so there was just, and, and I said, it was like electricity between us. If I would look at him and he would look at me, we both couldn't do anything else. But if I looked away, he would nurse. So you know what they said to me? They said, well, then don't look at him while he's nursing which is lesson number one, you know, is that kids need that neurodevelopmental, but he wouldn't nurse. So so that was the first clue that something was up, mm-hmm. um, but everything else was fine. He sang when he was five months old, he um, said mama was his first word. He was talking in complete sentences. Why yeah, Wyatt was
0: ahead of development. Was Jim right. ahead of development? Yeah. Sat yes. set up, rolled over, did all those things, talked early use sentences early, uh, walked at nine months. Oh my goodness. Well, Jim yeah, didn't do that. We had him in a, in a gym Jimbory class where he was the most advanced child in the group, which made it all the more confusing when he started right. to regress. Right. Because you have these ahead of development things. Right. Well, Jem wasn't crawling. He would roll he everywhere. Wyatt went right into walking.
1: There we go. Jem wouldn't crawl. He rolled everywhere and he would try to walk. He thought when he was six months old that he could walk and he was ticked that he would fall over, that he couldn't do it. But they told us that he had to crawl before he walked, that there was a eye development thing. So we, every day we would get down on the floor with him. And so eventually he crawled for like a week and then he walked.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So there was a brief minute uh, of crawling, but he didn't want to crawl. And, um, but still he was talking in complete sentences and he was hilarious and he was so interreactive. We had an Oscar party. I always tell this story because it helps me to remember we had an Oscar party. We had a room full of people in the living room watching the Oscars. And during a commercial, Jem came out and I had this old guitar and he had watched Elvis. And so he would strum the guitar and then he would look at everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that would be their cue to like clap. And then, and when they would clap, he would go, thank you thank you very much. And bow. And then, you know, what, what happened is that the language started to go away slowly. So, you know, there was, he he used to come into this one room and he would go, mama, what doing? And then one day he came in and said, mama doing. And I, I was like, where's the what? Where did the, what I thought language got bigger, not smaller, smaller. Where did the what go? That's when I went to the pediatrician and she told me I was crazy she was like, lady, he's talking, just leave it alone. And, you know, he's talking in sentences in a month, he'll be talking in paragraphs. Um, but he didn't. And, and more of the sentence went away. And I, I, I didn't go back because I was afraid She, she told me I was crazy. Um, but eventually I went back, but eventually what happened was he had a really bad bout of the rotavirus. We 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 I wanted to be working out and we were trying out gyms. We checked him into the daycare for the gym and I remember the girl coming up to the front, and she she was like, "Oh, I'm so sorry." It took forever for her to come to the front. She was like, "Oh, I have a kid with diarrhea," and it took forever to get it cleaned up. And I should have just said, "Give me back my baby. I don't want to be here if you've got a kid with diarrhea." Um, and she was saying, "Oh, it's like the worst diarrhea ever." But we checked him in there for ten minutes while we looked at the gym. And within two days, he was so sick that we, he had to be transported by ambulance to another hospital. He was that sick and we thought he was gonna die. Wow, and,
0: I never knew that.
1: Oh, it was so bad, Nancy. And and it was over a couple of days um, that this happened. And you know, when he got sick, we went back to the, the pediatrician. The pediatrician sent us to the hospital. We go to the hospital they almost kept him the first night and they said, no, no, go home. But you know, if he gets worse, go back, go to the local hospital. Cause this was down in LA. Um, the the first hospital. So the next night in the middle of the night, the diarrhea got much worse. I went to the local hospital. They made us sit in chairs for four hours. And by the time we got into the room, he was so dehydrated. They said they were going to call a helicopter but the helicopter was going to take longer than the ambulance. It was like four o'clock in the morning. They took him by ambulance down to Northridge, back to the first hospital that we'd been at. And it was terrible. He, I didn't even recognize him. He, you know how you watch the videos of feed the children and they show the kids and their, their eyes are Mm -hmm. like, you know, and there's like a fly on their eye and their bellies are all distended. That's rotavirus. I didn't know that. And, and of course they didn't know it was rotavirus at the time. They were trying to figure out what was wrong. But in order to see that it's rotavirus, they have to culture some of the poop. But by the time they got to my child, cause they made us wait so long, I'll never do that again. There was no poop to culture. So they were trying all these different medicines and nothing was working. And they had come in and said, we just don't know what's happening. And finally he pooped just the smallest amount. They cultured it. They said, oh, it's rotavirus. And they came in and do you know what they gave him? They gave him a a Dixie cup of seven up and he was better in an hour. Wow. So when you guys see those ads for feed the children and they say pennies a day, save these kids, a teaspoon of sugar saves these kids' lives. A teaspoon of sugar kills rotavirus. Later on, I said to them, then why didn't you just give him sugar as one of the things in case it was rotavirus? I still don't understand that. And they said, well, it's very rare in, you know, a first world country to see this level of rotavirus, that he had a really bad bout of rotavirus. And when we, and he had a very high fever through it. And when we took him home, that was it, Nancy. There was no more language. It was gone. There was no more eye contact. He didn't respond to his name. It was like, he had been going a a little bit at a time, but the rotavirus just took the rest of it.
0: So that was a clear sign. Yeah. Yeah. You had a clear demarcation.
1: Yes. And I didn't know what was happening and I denied, and I would ask everybody and everybody in our life said, no, 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 no. he's fine. You know, he just was sick and he's getting over it and whatever. But, um, finally my mother came to visit and, um, my, and my mother didn't put two and two together, but she just said that my husband and I were very bad parents that we had raised him wrong. Uh, He was violent. He was. Yeah. My mother,
0: when I took Wyatt home, when he was in his second year, she said, something's wrong with him. And I said, there's nothing wrong with him. And she goes, he's just, something's just not right. Because he was having tantrums and biting me. And she said, he shouldn't be biting you. And I said to her, you just want me to have your life. Because my younger brother had Down syndrome. And I said, you're just trying to make me have your life. And it's not that way. So well, and interestingly,
1: right. interestingly enough, my mother said to me, You're just a bad parent. Your kid, your kid is a wild animal and you're a bad parent, and you and your husband waited too long to have children, and you're just bad parents. And I said to her, You because my brother had behavior problems, and I said, No, you just want it to be equal and even. You want me to have a behavior problem like you did. And um I took her to the airport and I said, get on the plane because I don't want to deal with you. But then I called a friend and she said, you know, you've been asking questions about autism. I think you should take him to be looked at. And like you, I wasn't happy with that friend,
0: Uh but
1: I made phone calls that day. And within, I was lucky because I had insurance that would cover going to a developmental pediatrician. And so I had an appointment within three days, but the appointment wasn't for three months. And then I had some time to do research. Right. Jim was totally in denial. He was like, "It's no, it's not autism. I don't even know what autism is, but it's not that. He's fine. I
0: thought autism was hand flapping and toe walking. There you go. Which Wyatt well, had neither of. So I thought well, it autism.
1: I knew a kid where in my neighborhood where we grew up. And, um, and he was on the autism spectrum, but he, he was like, uh, they kept him pretty much locked up because he was a flight risk. He would run and he didn't speak and he hand flapped. And that's all I knew about autism. All I really knew was that his mother's life was over because we rarely saw him, but we saw the mother and she went from being this lovely, beautiful woman to being a shell of herself. In fact, that's mm-hmm. part of what my one woman show is about. Right. Is seeing the change show. In her. Yeah. I love that uh, cheering is writing in and saying uh, my son was two years and a half, which is how old mine was when he was diagnosed. Doctor kept saying he's too young to talk. The boys, they talk late can't believe that a doctor will think that. And then another one where she sent some emojis with, with the eyes. Cause I think we've all been through some, version of this, right? We're not going to get anywhere near all of these questions in Nancy. In fact, we've almost got no time left, but okay, here's one. What's your best advice, uh, first for parents of newly diagnosed kids and then for parents of teenagers?
0: Um, Best advice for newly diagnosed is to fight for everything you can possibly get. I heard that 40 hours a week was recommended. Um, But I, when Wyatt was prescribed 30 hours a week of of ABA, and that was prescribed by card, 30 hours a week, I think I should have fought for the 40 hours a week. Yeah. Because he got the services late, and I had heard that number, that magical number, 40 hours a week. And um, I didn't fight for it. So if you hear these things, more is better. Yep. Um, So fight for it with every inch of your life fight for whatever services you can get.
1: My friend, Nancy Allspot Jackson says, be a dog on a pork chop. Right. I love that. And what's your best advice for, and I I would say the same thing, get as much as you can fight for as much as you can. Uh, But what's your best advice for parents of teenagers?
0: Oh, that's a, that's a tough one for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As a teen, Wyatt has, well, try, listen to your, child's request for more independence, because I Mm -hmm. think that that's important when they're asking for more independence. Wyatt has a lot, Wyatt's still in ABA therapy. Um, He has, you saw earlier in the show, his aide, John, who is with him a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, But he asserts his need for independence quite a bit. So we're trying to, he's 19 now, so we're trying to listen to that and honor that. so i would say you know listen to your child uh
1: yeah i I would say that too and feed their passion jasper wants to know any advice for how to lower anxiety around needles and meds i want to say jasper this week we covered um in our jargon of the day on monday something called systematic desensitization that's the thing that's the best. Um, and so you can go back and watch Monday's show and take a look at that. Um, but basically you're going to want to set up circumstances where you're going to play doctor a lot in your house, very slowly. You're going to normalize it for him so that he can be, he he or she, I don't want to assume, um, can be around needles and not feel anxiety. Please do systematic desensitization, not the term that we covered yesterday, which is flooding. Flooding is really hard and often unintentionally we do flooding. We take our kids to the doctor and they say, oh, we got to take blood. And then all of a sudden we're there and there's the needle and there's no time to deal with the anxiety. Please take the time to do the systematic desensitization and go slowly. Buy them a doctor kit with a play needle um, that doesn't have a needle at all and have them give you shots. And if they have anxiety with that, go back one step further and just play doctor without the needle. Right slowly work up. Yeah. I I love this. Sharing says anybody has anxiety about needles, right? I do, you know, right. But what we manage it and what we want to do is help your child manage it, which means we got to, got to normalize. So go back and watch Monday's show, or you can look in the playlist on YouTube. It should be there under jargon and look for systematic desensitization. And then you can Google it and find out a lot more information about you know, sometimes they'll start with, um, just showing a picture of a doctor and we do fun things and we go, oh, there's the picture of the doctor. And, and we're watching this cartoon that we love and we're having whatever treat that we love so that we get used to being around doctors. You can start it as, as, as low, you know, as you need and slowly work up to the point where they can be in the room with a needle and then eventually get the needle in the arm. We also found that I loved when my son was little, all those little portable DVD players were a hot thing. And whatever his favorite movie was, if he had to go in and have blood work done, we would not watch that movie for a couple of days beforehand, just make that video thing disappear and distract him with other things. And then we would go to the doctor and go, guess what we're going to watch today at the doctor? And I would load up the thing. He would watch. They would do the needle. He wouldn't even notice. Um, yes. And, and Shearing says, sometimes you don't have any choice. That's true. But that's when I love that little video thing. If they're really into watching a certain movie, you load that puppy up and you know, you do the best you can. You just try not to traumatize them is the
0: thing. Yeah. My son had lots of trauma from, you know, unsuccessful jabs with the needle and we had to desensitize him after that.
1: And, and truly like when you go in call them ahead of time and say, we're going to come in. My child's on the spectrum. I need your person who does this the best. Right. And I'm probably going to need another person there to help. And I'm going to have to be there. We're going to have to play a video. Don't have them do the intern who's like just learning how to find the, no, like be, be Ursula Uh and say, I want your best phlebotomist here. The person who can get it on the run. That's the person you want. All right, we are totally out of time. Yeah, Can I tell you though, next week on the show, it's a big week. Um we're starting out on uh oh, I hate when they want to hold I know. Of course I they want to hold you. Jasper says they want it, nurse wanted to hold her down. I hate it when they want to do that, and I know why they want to do it because what they don't want to do is by accident jab them and not end up getting blood. Right. Um but Instead of having them hold your child down, ask if you can sit on a gurney and hold your child lovingly and maybe bring their stuffed animal and have them hold onto their stuffed animal and you hold on to them lovingly so that we're not having strangers pin them down or tie them down. Let's, let's please not do that. And, but you understand that the nurses are like, well, my worst fear is that I've got the needle in and they jerk. And then I've hurt the child but let's help them. You can basket hold your own child lovingly if you're sitting on the bed and holding on to them. Um, and then the nurse will feel a little bit more secure. Um, but, um, you know, uh, that's the thing. But anyway, I started to say on Monday, Bob DeMarco from Ability Life Solutions is going to be here unveiling a brand new thing on Monday. We're, we're so looking forward to that. On Tuesday, Matt Asner and I believe Nava Paskowitz Asner are going to be here talking about their new gala that's coming up in November it is so star-studded i can't even believe it wig totally blown they're going to unveil unveil on the show on tuesday who the new stars are for this year's version of it's a wonderful life oh my gosh nancy you're not even going to believe it mm. if you this is all going to be virtual and online but if you could get all these stars in one room let me just tell you the 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 price of a ticket would be in the six figures because it's that big the stars right. that they've gotten right. holy good. christmas then on wednesday we've got dr doreen grant going to be answering your questions on thursday bonnie yates will be here and on friday i don't know who we have next week but uh we'll find that out and we'll let you guys know that okay. thank you guys have a, happy, have a happy halloween
0: and a safe halloween
1: yes don't try to do too much enjoy it when it gets too much sensory overload, go back to watching a video. You know what I mean? Don't try to do too much. All right, you guys, we'll see you on Monday. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. And you a a hug from me. Bye-bye. Bye-bye
0: for now.